we have the privilege of starting with the book of Deuteronomy. If you are here for the first time, very quickly, I just want you to know what we do here. Every morning, we engage in the reading of the word of God. We spend about half an hour reading through scripture and then we spend another uh, 20 to 30 minutes. We spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading through scripture and then another 20 to 30 minutes, sometimes even longer, sometimes almost an hour uh, reflecting on it. But more importantly, we spend the time in the reading of the scripture and that's really why we're here. And we're, and so the whole purpose of this is to read through the entire Bible. It's for every believer to read through the entire Bible. So I'm reading through it with you. And then as we read through, I provide some insight and I provide some perspective and I spend some time in reflection as I'm reflecting through the word, just hearing what God has to say. Today, we're going to go a little bit shorter. I know we got a smaller group. I got about 92 of you. So I got a smaller group, but it's kind of expected. It's Memorial Day. People are on vacation. People are getting ready for the for barbecuing and everything else. So I can, I completely get that. I said, you know what? Let me let me still commit to this with you guys. So, hey, Fluffy Mom, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Non-believer, but curious. I love that. Um, I love that you're here. Hopefully, I can give you a new perspective of what it means Um um, what, 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 what the Christian faith is all about. Often we know a lot about church, but we don't really know much about what really the Christian faith is all about. So um, glad you're here. Glad you're here. Glad you're here to join us. And, and so we're going to spend some time in reading the scripture. Um, coming from TikTok. All right, Victorious. Good to, good to see you. Um, I hope what I've done, though, up to this point, Gary, brother, man, I'm not even going to get to this talk because I haven't seen Gary in a minute. Good to see you, Gary. Good to see you, brother. Um, okay, so... Uh, let me preface by saying this, that I hope what I have done, at least in our time in reading the scriptures, is I've given you an opportunity to be exposed to the totality of the text. We've read now through the entire New Testament, and now we're reading through the entire Old Testament. And I hope what I'm doing is I'm giving you a perspective, okay, uh, a perspective, a, a broad perspective, a broad lens of the scripture, not the very myopic perspective that a lot of believers have because they haven't read through the entire Bible. They haven't read through the entire text. And so because you haven't read through the entire Bible, you miss out on what the scripture is actually saying. When you don't read the entire Bible, it's easy for you to look at some of the books that we're reading right now and look at it as a bunch of rules that need to be followed in order to be people that go to heaven or rules that you need to be followed in order to be um, Christian people, as if these are rules that Christians ought to follow. And yet that's not what the, if, if you've been reading with me, you'll notice as you're reading through the whole thing that this is not what the scripture is about. This is a scripture that was written to an ancient people. Okay. This law that was written, the 10 commandments, all these laws that were written were laws that were written to an ancient people. These were the children of Israel and the purpose of the law was to shape them in order for them to become uh, a, a, a quote unquote nation of priests that would show the world what God was like to show the world what, it, what, what, what God was like and what the kingdom of God should look like and how we ought to live with one another. These people were a paradigm, a paradigm for divine representation. These books were not laws that were written to you. And yet a lot of Christians read the Old Testament and they read it as if it's a book or a bunch of laws that are written to you that give you information as to how to be good people or how to be or how to go to heaven or how to. And that's not the purpose of it. Okay, That is not the purpose of the book. As a matter of fact, God's purpose for us wasn't simply to send us to heaven, but God's purpose was actually to restore earth and to restore his rule on earth. Okay. That's really the primary purpose that God has for us. When he, when he created mankind, he created mankind as his representatives on earth. We've been reading all through this and yet, and yet we have done a poor job of representing God. Let us make man in our image to be made in the image of God is to be imagers of God. And yet we have done, we have, we have poorly represented him. And now he's calling these people. So the, so the scriptures is a story of how through a people, through a nation of people and through a family of people, God is bringing restoration to all things, to the earth. There's a restoring of the earth. Okay. God's plan was not to pull us out of the earth. God's plan was to restore the earth, to bring righteousness and justice back to the earth. And so the Bible is really a story of how he's doing that 
through a family of people, through a nation of people, through a bloodline, that he's doing that through a bloodline of people. And so we're seeing the story unravel here. That's that's why we're here. And so um, we've read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Numbers, and Deut- and now we're in Deuteronomy. Does anybody hear me now? Uh, and now we're in Deuteronomy. Genesis is what we just spoke about, right? Um, and, and, and so God calls Abraham, Abraham, um, he calls Abraham, to uh he calls abraham who would now lead a family that would bring righteousness and justice this family now abraham has isaac isaac has jacob jacob has the 12 sons the 12 sons right um become a a larger extended family that larger extended family genesis ends with them going to egypt uh the book of exodus opens with them in egypt but after centuries so now they went from being a family to now being a nation of people under an oppression of a people and he calls moses now to pull them out moses pulls them out and they go into the wilderness at mount sinai god reinstitutes his covenant his promise with these people and the promise that he makes with these people is that they would be a nation of priests and then he gives them a law that they follow and this is what we see the ten commandments all these things he gave them the law he didn't give us the law okay he gave them the law he gave them a law that they ought to follow in order to be shaped out to become the nation of priests that would bring justice and righteousness on earth these people failed in doing so and in failing in doing so it's revealing to us that the law was never meant to take us to heaven okay the ten commandments were never meant to take us to heaven these things that that's not the purpose of it Okay, it was about a restoring of the earth. I have to make sure, you know, we we have this perspective of being taken up into heaven, and yet God's plan was to restore the earth. Okay, and so this is a restoring, this is a plan that God is doing, and He's instituting through these people. And as He's instituting this through these people, these people fail, meaning they could not meet up to the law that was given to them to be the people that God called them to be. So now in Leviticus, God institutes a law, the law of the atonement. Through a priest and through a sacrifice, now they've been given access back to God. Not because of their performance, not because of how good people they, how good of a person they are, simply because God has given them now a way into access back into His presence. Okay, and so now that they have this access back to His presence, Leviticus ends with them now back in the presence of God. They still had the law, but they did not have the presence of God. And so Leviticus ends with them back into the presence of God through through blood sacrifice and the priest that administers the sacrifice. Now Leviticus ends there. Then we go into numbers. They finally leave um, Mount Sinai where the covenant was made and where they were being shaped into this nation of priests and they leave and they go into uh, uh, further into the wilderness as they transition into Canaan, the land that was promised to them. And so this is where we are now in numbers and in numbers we see now all the strife, there was trouble in paradise. Things weren't going the way they ought to go. There was a lack of faith. There was a lot of dissension, a lot of disagreement. And that's what we read through in the book of Leviticus. Because of all the disagreement and the dissension in Leviticus, um, the Lord, because of the lack of the faith of the people to enter into the land that was promised to them, they stayed an extra generation behind. And so now it's an entirely new generation that's about to go into the land of Canaan. And this new generation that's going into the land of Canaan, Moses is writing this law again. This is the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy literally means second law. Deuteronomy literally means the law again. And what he's doing here in Deuteronomy is he's reminding these people of the calling that they have and of the covenant that was made. Okay. That's all he's doing. He's reminding these people of the covenant that was made to be a nation of priests. And now we're brought here in the book of Deuteronomy. So now that we're here, let's engage. All right. And so we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter one. I'll probably read just a few chapters because today we're not going to spend a lot of time. Um, I know it's Memorial Day and I know we don't have as many people on today, but it's all good. Um, I think it's still important that we continue to discipline ourselves in um, in the scriptures in this way. All right. Father, I ask that you would speak to us Lord, today Lord, as we engage in your word. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would reveal who you are, reveal your heart. Reveal yourself through your word. Lord, speak through this time as we read this word. And we ask that in your name we pray. Um, Amen. 
We're asking three questions here. What is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? What is God revealing concerning me? Okay. These are the questions that I want to ask you. Um, So let's engage. Verse one. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite of Suf, between Paran, Tafel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It's 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him as commandments to him after he had killed Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who dwelt in Ashtaroth and Edirai. On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places of the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, and in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set a land before you, Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers and to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them and their descendants after them. And I spoke to you at that time saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I alone bear your problems and your burdens and your complaints? Choose wise, understanding, knowledgeable men from among the tribes and I will make them heads over you. And you answered me and said, the thing which you have told us to do is good. So I took the heads of the tribes wise and knowledgeable men and made them heads over you leaders of thousands leaders of hundreds leaders of fifties leaders of tens and officers of your tribes and i commanded your judges at that time saying hear the cases between your brethren and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the stranger who is with him you shall show no partiality in judgment you shall hear the small as well as the great You shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you bring to me, and I will hear it. And I command you at that time all the things which you should do. So we departed from Horeb and went through all the great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord God has given us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. And the plan pleased me well. So I took 12 of your men, one man from each tribe, and they departed and went up to the mountains and came to the valley of Eshkol and spied it out. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us saying, it is a good land, which the Lord our God is giving us. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. 
The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be afraid or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord God carried you as a man carried carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God and went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it. And to him, his children, I am giving the land of which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, you little ones and your children, who, sorry, moreover, you little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. And but but as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. Then you answered and said to me, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight just as the Lord, our God commanded us. And every one of you girded up his weapons of war. You were ready to go up into the mountain. And the Lord said to them, tell them, do not go up nor fight for I am not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So the Lord spoke to you. Sorry. So the Lord spoke to you. Sorry. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen but rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the mountain and the Amorites who dwelt in that mountain came out against you and chased you as bees do and drove you back from Seir to Horma. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not listen to your voice nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh many days according to the days that you spent there. Deuteronomy chapter 2. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward and and command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat and you shall buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through the great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing then we pass beyond <clears throat> then we pass beyond our brethren the descendants of esau who dwell in seir away from the road of the plain away from eleth and ezion geber we turned and passed by way of the wilderness of moab then the lord said to me do not harass moab nor contend with them in battle for i will not give you any of their land as a possession because i have given r to the descendants of lot as a possession the Emim had dwelt there in times past, and the people as great and numerous and tall as Anakim. They were also regarded as giants like the Anakim, but the Moabites called them the Emim. And the Horites formerly dwelt in Seir, and the descendants of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them, and dwelt in their place just as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave them. Now rise and cross over the valley of Zered. So we crossed over the valley of Zered. And the time we took to come to Kadesh Barnea until we, sorry, 
and the time we took to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the Valley of Zered was 38 years. All the generation of the men of war were consumed from the midst of the camp, just as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from the midst of the camp until they were consumed. So it was when all the men of war had finally perished from among the people that the Lord spoke to me, saying, This day you are to cross over Ar, the boundary of Moab, and when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them, for I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon, of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. That was also regarded as the land of the giants. Giants formerly dwelt there, but the, but the Ammonites called them the Zemzumim, <laughs> a people as great and numerous and as tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place, just as he had done for the descendants of Esau, who dwelt in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites from before them. They dispossessed them and dwelt in their place even to this day. And the Avim, who dwelt in villages as far as the Gaza and the Kaftorim, who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. Rise, take your journey across from the river Arnon. Look, I have given your hand, Sihon, the Amorite, king of, the, king of Heshbon and his land. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. This day, I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven, who shall hear the report of you, and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. And I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will keep strictly to the road. And I will turn further to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money that I may eat and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot. Just as the descendants of Esau who dwelt in Seir and the Moabites who dwelt in Ar did for me until I crossed the Jordan to the land which the Lord our God is giving us. But Sion king of Heshbon would not let us pass through. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand as it is this day. And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sihon and his land over you. Begin to possess it, that you may inherit his land. Then Sihon and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons, and all his people. We took all his cities at that time, and we utterly destroyed the men, women, and little ones of every city, and, and we left none remaining. We took only livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoils, with the spoil of the cities which we took. From Arar, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and from the city that is in the ravine as far as Gilead, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all to us. Only you do not go near the land of the people of, the, of Ammon, anywhere along the river Jabbok or the cities of the mountains where the Lord God had forbidden us. Hmm. We'll read this last chapter and then we'll be done for today. Then we turned and went up to the road of Bashan and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to the battle of Edrei. And the Lord said to him, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand. You shall do to him as you did to Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon. So the Lord our God also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people. And we attacked him until he had no survivors remaining. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them, 60 cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og, in Bashan. All these cities were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides the great many rural towns which we utterly destroyed them. And we did to Sion, king of Heshbon, 
utterly destroying the men and women and children of every city. But all the livestock and the spoil of the cities we took as booty for ourselves. And at that time, we took the land from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, who were on this side of the Jordan from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon, the Sidonians call Hermon, Sirion, and the Amorites called it Sinir. All the cities of the plain and all Gilead and Bashan, as far as Silka, Edri, the cities of the kingdom of Og of Bashan. For only Og king of Bashan remained of the remnant of the giants. Indeed, he was the bedstead. Uh, sorry, indeed, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. Is not Rabbah, the people of Ammon, nine cubits in length and four cubits in width, according to the standard cubit? In this land, which we possessed at the time from Arar, from the, from the river of Arnon and half mountain of Gilead and the cities, I gave to the Reubenites and the Gadites, the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, the king of Og, I gave to the tribe of Manasseh. All the region of Argog and with all of Bashan was called the land of the giants. Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the region of Argog, Argob, sorry as far as the border of the Gersherites and the Mykites, sorry, Makathites, and called Bashan after his own name, Havath Jair, to this day. I also gave Gilead to Makir. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites, I gave Gilead as far as the river of Arnon, the middle of the river of, as the border, as far as the river Jabbok, the border of the people of Ammon, the plain also, with the Jordan as the border, from Chinnereth, as far as the east side of the Sea of Arabath, the Salt Sea, below the ropes of Pisgah. Then I commanded you at this time, the Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All you men of valor shall cross over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel. But your wives, your little ones, and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall stay in your cities, which I have given you unto the Lord has given rest to your brethren as to you. And they shall possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them beyond the Jordan. Each of you may return to his possession which I have given you. And I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord God has done to these two kings. So I, so will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. You must not fear them for the Lord your God himself fights for you. Then hmm? I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, O Lord God, you've begun to show your servant, your greatness, your mighty hand for what God is there in heaven and on earth. Who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, the pleasant mountains, those pleasant mountains in Lebanon, but the Lord was angry with me on your account and, I would, and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go to the top of Pisgah. Lift your eyes towards the west, the north, the south, the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before the people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. So we stayed there in the valley opposite Beth Peor. We're going to uh, stop right there. Um, give me one second. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry about that. Um, we're going to stop right there. Um, for those of you who are here for the first time, oh, okay, we got a little bit larger group now. I figured it was uh, Memorial Day. I keep forgetting. I figured it was Memorial Day. So, you know, whenever whenever it's holiday, sometimes, you know, people take a break. They sleep in, you know, they're not going to work, nothing like that. And so um, they, you know, they catch the reading ran another time. But if you are here for the first time, and maybe you're just, you just jumped on, you're wondering, okay, what are we doing here? Every weekday, 
we engage in the reading of the word and then a reflection of the word. So we read and then I call it a rant because I don't have a sermon prepped. I don't have anything like that prepped. I'm just simply reflecting on what God is speaking into on that day. And so we just spend some time in reflection with whatever time is afforded to us. So we spend 20, 30 minutes. And really the priority that I have here is for us to spend our time in the word. That's why we're here is to read the word for every believer to read the word. And so we've read through the entire New Testament and now we're reading through the entire Old Testament. Uh, We've read now Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and we just started Deuteronomy today. And so um, every weekday, Monday through Friday, um, we read at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, if you missed any of the reading rants, you can catch them on our Facebook group. It's the font everywhere where I share those reflections. I put them all on there. I've got our Facebook family who's live with us. I just started getting our IG family on board with this. So I'm getting an IG group who's here along with us as well, engaging in the word. Um, and then, of course, I've got the TikTok group, which we, which is where we've really started this whole thing. And so there's a, there's a much larger group of you guys who come on, who engage with us every morning in the word. But if you ever miss it, Go to the font everywhere and you can catch them at the font everywhere. I also want to say that we also have a read and rant podcast. So you can always just subscribe to the podcast and you can check it out. By the way, guys, I forgot to to share this, but I believe it was two days ago. We hit 2000 subscribers, y'all. We hit 2000 subscribers. Listen, I didn't think anything like that would happen. Um, I was like, look, I'm just reading the Bible with people and just sitting down and reflecting on the word and asking for the spirit of God just to lead our time together. And yet family, you know, and I said, you know, what? that turned into a, hey, let me just record our reading rants that we do here. Um, let me record it. Let me just, you know, and I've recorded it and I've started to post them on our podcast, which is on Mondays, Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And so it's a little bit behind. And we're already at 2,000 subscribers. And I'm like, how is this happening? This is, this is incredible um, to have 2,000 people who are on that, that, that care so much to read the word and participate in the word. So that's incredible. I never expected any of this, to be honest with you, fam. Did not expect any of it. I'm just sharing uh, God's word. I'm sharing his heart. And, and man, this is crazy. So, and that all happened in what? In about a month and a half. So that's crazy. Um, that we've we, we've got significant growth in the podcast as well. Um, you can check it out on Spotify and you can check out the podcast on Apple. Um, so Apple Podcasts, um, just, just search read and rant. Um, but it's incredible. It's incredible to see what God is doing through that. Um, and I think part of the reason why is because um, I think what people are beginning to see is they're beginning to see a void um, in discipleship in the church, the void that they see is that we've submitted people to simply, um, it's to simply read, uh, you know, two or three verses on a Sunday. And then afterwards, you know, spend the rest of the week and wait till you come back again and to read the word again. Um, and, and so that leaves so many gaps and so many voids and it leads to, uh, I call them myopic uh, theologies, um, where people have these ideas of God and these ideas of, of what the scriptures are intended for. And so when we read the Bible from a much broader perspective, from a much bigger lens, um, when we see the scripture in its totality, then it gives us reference to how we read through, um, verses in the Bible. So for me, my priority is this is read through it. If we read through the Bible and that's all you did today, and then you leave, I have no problem with that. Um, if y'all dip after I'm done reading, I got no problem with that at all. Um, but I've also given you the opportunity to eavesdrop into my time. And that's the rant. And so today is going to be shorter. I'm only going to spend a couple minutes. I've got Memorial Day duties. want to spend more time with family at home. So I'm going to be heading home right after this. Um, but I did want to at least commit this time to reading with you. If there's anything uh, joyful, the Facebook group is called The Font Everywhere the font everywhere. Um, If there's anything I want to leave you with is what we just read. I want to give you a little bit of a background here. What we just read in Deuteronomy one through three is Moses summarizing what we've been reading through Exodus, 
uh, through Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So if you wanted a cliff note version of what has transpired from Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, just read Deuteronomy 1 through 3. Deuteronomy 1 through 3 is a chronicled review of the history of the children of Israel. I said this before and I'll say this again and I'll say it over and over again until our religious minds have been fully broken into this is that we have to remember this Mosaic law, the what we call the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Mosaic law is a book that was written, is a law and a book that was written to the children of Israel, to an ancient people at an ancient time. And so because it's written to an ancient people in an ancient context at an ancient time, it is written to them. It was not written to Christians. It is written to them, but it's not written to Christians, but it's written for us. And the reason why I say it's written for us because it's telling us the story of God's people. It's telling us the narrative of the history of all humanity and all mankind that at the backbone of God restoring all humanity is this story of the children of Israel, who were the children of Isaac, who were the children of Abraham. And so Moses, what he's doing now, and if we've been reading through the story, you guys know what it's looked like. They were in the wilderness, Genesis, uh, sorry, Exodus. They're in the wilderness. They're at Mount Sinai. The law was given to them. They had a covenant. It's the difference between covenant and law. Covenant was the contract that God placed between them to that they would be, be, be the nation of priests. The law was the ordinances that God gave to them, not to the rest of the world, but only to the children of Israel, gave to them to shape them to become the nation of priests that God was calling them to be. Okay, to shape them into the nation of priests that God's calling them to be. So this law that was given to them was in order to help them fulfill the covenant that was given to them. That's why there's a difference between covenant and law. I've said that before. When you talk about the old covenant, people like to say that's the old law. No, the old covenant is not the old law. Okay, the old covenant is not the old testament either. The old covenant is simply the contract that God made with the children of Israel. This is the old covenant. And there was a law that shaped them into fulfilling the old covenant. And yet the scriptures tell us that they failed to do that. It ends Exodus with them failing, but then Leviticus, God introduces amendments to the law. Leviticus is the amendment to the law. That is the law of the atonement that through a blood sacrifice and through a priest administering the blood sacrifice, God has given now a children who could not fulfill this law access back into his presence. Leviticus is a book about how a, an unholy, unrighteous people can remain in the presence of a holy and a righteous God. And so we see that this is being shaped out in Leviticus and it took them a year to figure all this out through their, 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 the laws don't apply anymore. The laws never applied, actually. <laughs> um, so when we talk about does the law apply, in what way does the law apply? We have to ask these questions because often people look at the law as the things that ought to be done in order to be righteous or in order to go to heaven. And yet that's not the purpose of the law. The law had no purpose in doing that. The law was ineffective in doing that. That wasn't the purpose of the law. Okay. And when a new law was instituted by a new covenant, the old law was made obsolete. Okay. That's, that's Hebrews. The old law was made obsolete because it was not useful for it. And who was he talking to? He was talking to the Hebrews. He wasn't talking to the Gentiles because the law was never written to the Gentiles. It was never intended for the Gentiles. It was never for the Gentiles. So now if we read through the, um, and that's why we have to back up, right? When we read the scriptures, we have to back up and read it for what it's saying. That's exactly right, Jason. The law shows the character and the holiness of God. It reveals the character and the holiness of God. And so now uh, Leviticus gives now a law in which people who are unholy and righteous are given access to a holy and righteous God. And it's through the atonement, through blood sacrifice. And he explains why. And so now Leviticus ends 
with the people. Exodus ended with them having the law, but not having the presence of God because the law doesn't bring us into the presence of God. Leviticus ends with them not having the presence of God because of the atonement. So Exodus ends with them not being in the presence of God, even though they had the law because the law was never effective in doing that. Leviticus ends with them now being in the presence of God because of the atonement. The atonement brought them back into the presence of God, not the law, not the law itself. It's the law of the atonement. And so now we get to, so Leviticus ends with that numbers. They go on the move and these people were persistently disobedient. They were intransigent people. They were people who continue to complain and complain and complain and complain continually. And so eventually when they finally got to the, um, uh, finally got to the border of the promised land, they were fearful. And because of their lack of faith, they remained in, um, they remained in, um, in the wilderness. And, and so God waited an entire generation in order to bring them into the land that was promised to them. Deuteronomy, see how I walked you through it? Deuteronomy opens now with Moses giving a speech to this generation, to the new generation, not the generation before, because now the generation before is fading away. Moses is one of the last of that generation. And so the next generation now, has been given access to what was promised to the prior generation. Does that make sense? The the prior generation had the promise of God, but because of their lack of faith, they aren't given access into the promise of God. Faith is your access to the promise. Let me say that again. Notice, it wasn't their disobedience. It wasn't their sinfulness. God had a plan for all those things. Stay with me now. It wasn't their disobedience because they were perpetually disobedient and yet God kept forgiving them. And it wasn't their sin because God had a plan for their sin. It was the atonement. God gave them that and they used it and they, they, they used it and God accepted it because God gave them that law. God is creating the system by which we are entering into his presence and yet they got his presence, but they didn't get his promise now. And the reason why they didn't get his promise is because of a lack of faith. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They asked to return back to Egypt because they were afraid to go to the land that was promised to them. So it was their lack of faith that kept them from the promise. When we say atonement, J light atonement simply means a satisfactory payment. Sin needed payment and the satisfactory payment for the sin was a sacrifice. It was a blood sacrifice and Leviticus explains all of this, why it's a satisfactory payment. I'm saying this to you. Because I know I'm not going to spend a lot of time. And I know my, my, my boy over here is already saying, this man said two minutes. This man said two minutes. <laughs> this man said just a few minutes. I am trying to stay for just a few minutes. But if you see this, you'll begin to realize that what we're seeing in this moment in Deuteronomy is a passing down of the promise of God. God's promises are yes and amen. God's promises never return void. God's promise will be fulfilled. If his promise is not fulfilled through you, it's going to be fulfilled through one that comes after you. God is going to accomplish his justice, his righteousness. God is going to bring his kingdom on earth. It's going to happen. God's promise that he's put over your bloodline. God, if he doesn't do it through you, he's going to do it through the one after you. And what Moses, who suffered from disobedience, who suffered from, uh, uh, from, from uh, the children of Israel, who suffered due to a lack of faith, 
while they did not receive the promise, there is still, the, the promise still persists. It perseveres and now it's persisting through the generation after them. What if I told you that there are some promises that God made over your parents' lives that God wants to fulfill in your life? What if I told you that there are some promises that God made over your grandparents' life that God wants to fulfill in your life? What if I told you that your parents and your grandparents and the ones before you had promises placed on their lives and yet weren't fulfilled in their lifetime? And even though it wasn't fulfilled in their lifetime, it did not mean that the promise would not come into fruition. It simply meant that the promise would be fulfilled in a generation afterward. God's promise never ends. If you go to the grave with the promise, the child after you is going to get it. Whatever God is giving you, he's giving you not just for you, but God is giving it to you for the generations that come after you. The question is, is will you be faithful to the promise? Will you be faithful to persevere? Will you be faithful to lean in? Will you be faithful to press in? Where is your faith? And this is where we are in this part of the scripture, because in Deuteronomy chapter one now, God is going to now, there's a transfer of the promise that the generation afterward, even after all the disobedience of all the generation before, this generation afterwards is about to go in, but Moses stops them. And Moses says to them, listen, y'all, let me quickly give you a recap of what has happened up to this point. <laughs> I told myself I'll only be here for a few minutes, but I really have to minister into this. <laughs> because he's saying to them, let me recap what your parents did. He's saying to them, let me recap everything that has happened up to this point. Deuteronomy 1, 2, and 3 is a recap of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And now we're in Deuteronomy and he's reiterating it. And now as he's reiterating it, he's reminding them, this is what your parents did. This is how we journeyed to get this far. And yet, even though we got this far, we couldn't get further. We got this far, but there's some things that we didn't do that couldn't get us over the river. There's, there's some things we did that couldn't get us over the Jordan. There, there's some decisions that we made. There, there's a way that we were because of the lack of our faith. We couldn't obtain the promise. And yet here we are now, this man of God, Moses, who's at the twilight of his life, he's about to die. And he says to them, before you cross, let me tell you some things about what we did. Two things that come to me when I read this text, value your family history. Two things that come to mind as I read this text, value the story of the ones who came before you. Value your lineage. Value the story and the narrative that God has been writing through your family. Value it. A lot of us want to forget the stories of our families and yet there's an importance to knowing where your families come from because knowing where the people before you came from gives information into how you are going to persist moving forward. Often we want to forget what our parents did and what our parents went through. And yet there's a good and a bad in their story. We see the parents before the children of Israel here, this generation. And yet what Moses is doing is, is in Deuteronomy 1, 2, and 3, and what God is revealing to me, what he's speaking to me about today is how we ought to value our parents. We, about, we ought to value our grandparents. We ought to value their stories because their stories have both good and bad in it. And we can learn from both. We can learn from their history, both good and bad. We can learn from what they've done, both good and bad. You don't get to forget the past. You are to remember the past in order that the past can help propel you moving forward. Your past informs your present. And yet in your past, knowing your past, it will also inform your future. It'll inform your posterity. And what he's saying here is he's giving them the whole story of what they went through to get to where they are. 
What if I told you that you, the, the reason why you are where you are is because of the toil of your parents? It's because of how your parents fought to get you there. It's it's because of all the things that they went through. They have a story that got you there. You didn't get to where you got to by happenstance. You didn't get to where you got to by accident. You got to where you got to because there was a story that brought you there. And yet even in that story, there were mistakes. There were things to celebrate, but there were things to denigrate. And what Moses is giving them is he's giving them all. He's saying, appreciate what got you here, but don't make the same mistakes our parents made. Don't make the same mistakes that your parents made. You need to know what the generation before you did. And you need to know the story and the history of your generation before you, because knowing their history, you can appreciate all that they did to get you this far, but you can also appreciate all the mistakes that they made that you should not repeat. The problem that we have in this generation is, is we are repeating the past. We are repeating the past. For those of you who are, aren't in the United States, you guys may be in other places around the world, we see our present and we don't realize that our present is, in, is informed by our past. And so when we talk about some of the social challenges, the racial strife, all these things that are going on in our country today, it's all brewing up, right? We just saw all this unrest, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, all these things. We see all this unrest. We see this tension. Uh, we see racial tension. I'm using one example here. And I've said this before, and I've spoken to both my white brothers and my white sisters, and I've told them that the reason why you see all this racial tension is because we're trying to forget our past. We're trying to forget our history. We want to just move on from the history, but you got to know the history, fully embrace all of the history, know everything that happened in the history, every element, all the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly. And man, in our country, there's a lot of ugly. There's a, when it comes to race, when it comes to race, I'm using one example. There's a lot of ugly. And yet what we have a tendency to do as a people and as a nation in America, we have a tendency to want to just walk away from the ugly and not confront it. Here's the problem. When you don't confront the ugly, you cannot heal and move forward. What's holding our country back is revisionist history. What's holding our country back is that we're revising and we're taking away all the ugly parts of our history. But when we learn to embrace that this happened and we learn to accept it and to mourn it, it informs how not only just our present, but informs how we move moving forward. There's some ugly things in your family's past that a lot of people want to ignore. Even your parents want to ignore it. Your parents don't want to share all the ugly stuff of their past. Your parents don't want to share the things that happened in the past. And yet the unfortunate reality is, is that for many of us, we don't realize the reason why we are stuck repeating what our parents did is because we are ignoring what our parents did. We, you know, we call that, we call that a generational curse. And I, I got to back up for a moment. And, and if, if you just me, let me lean in for a second, but often we call generational curses. We, we, sorry, let me back that up. We over spiritualize generational curses. We over spiritualize it. We make it simply spiritual forces that are binding our bloodline. And yes, that can happen. But generational curses are usually a root of misinformation. Because we've been misinformed and uneducated about our past, we repeat the patterns of our past. So because we never really truly tell the story of the ugliness of our past and we never fully embrace the ugliness of our past, we end up repeating it. At the root, a generational curse comes out of misinformation. We were repeating what our parents did because we never really got to understand intimately what our parents did and why they did it. And this is a responsibility that we have, that if you're going to be a curse breaker in your family, you need to embrace your mistakes. 
You need to embrace your errors. You need to embrace the things that you did that you should not have done. And you need to share it with your children. You need to share with the generation coming after you. You need to tell them all that it is because the only way that your family and your bloodline is going to move forward is through your sharing of your past. That's right. There's some people you slept with you shouldn't have slept with. There's some things that you did that you shouldn't have done. There's a life that you lived that you shouldn't have lived. And yet when you look and you don't do it, what you find is, is that your children begin to do the same things that you did. Because you're not owning the mistakes of your past. And yet we, this generation, cannot ignore the errors and the mistakes of the generation before us. Hmm. Moses in Deuteronomy 1, 2, and 3 is giving the good, the bad, the ugly of what has happened in the generation before. Because that is going to inform them about how it is that they're going to receive the promise that the generation before them didn't get. You know, there are promises that your parents didn't get. It was because of mistakes that they made. There were promises. There, there, there were things that there was land, there was territory, there was finances. There were, there were things, family, children. There were mistakes that were made by the generation before you. And it's because of those mistakes that the generation, that, 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 that they're where they are. There are things that they didn't get to enjoy, things that they didn't get to see, things that they, that, they, that they didn't get to encounter because of mistakes that they made. And yet, if you don't express those mistakes, those promises that were meant for you are now transferred to your children, but then they won't be met to your children and will just be kicked down the line. A whole generation was lost in the wilderness because of mistakes that were made. Were these people still chosen? Yes. Was God still gracious to them? Yes. You see, there are the promises of God and their salvation. Salvation is yours, but don't get it twisted. There are things that you make. There are things that you do, decisions that you make that prohibit certain things that God had planned for us. You got to own that. So rather than blame shifting, tell your story. And this is what Moses is doing. The Deuteronomy 1 through 3, he's telling the story. He's telling them all that they did. He's telling them all the mistakes. He's telling them how far they've come, how far they got to. But he's also telling them, this is what we did. And because we did these things, we, have to, we had to stop right here at the River Jordan. Oh, but we we subdued King Og of uh, we subdued King Og. We we subdued Bashan. We subdued these nations. We we did some really good stuff, too. But we didn't get the promised land. And we didn't get the promised land because of this. Moses prefaces the book of Deuteronomy to say to them that even I who called the children out of Israel will be stuck here and I actually won't be able to enter into the land that was promised but I give it to you and what Moses is going to do in Deuteronomy is he's going to reiterate the law that was given to the children of Israel he's going to reiterate the covenant that was given to the children of Israel this is why the book is called Deuteronomy It's called Deuteronomy because it literally means the law again. That's what Deuteronomy means. Deutero, second, autonomy, law. It literally means by diction, the law again. He's giving it to him one more time. He said, let's do this one more time. We didn't do these things. So now let me, let me, let me share it with you again. Let, Let me, let me tell you what we were supposed to do. Let me tell you how we were supposed to do it, but we didn't do it. We're going to own it. It's our fault. We did this. This is our fault. But don't don't do what we did. Don't don't, don't fall into what we fell into. Don't don't make the same mistakes we made. Don't don't do those things. So I'm going to give you the law again. And so now we're going to be reading through the rest of the book. And in the rest of the book, you're going to see how 
there's a lot of stuff that was said already in the previous books that we read that you're going to see again in the chapters that are that we're going to read after this. You're going to say, why is he repeating all this? He's repeating all this because he's he's writing this to a another generation. The one that's going to get to go into the land. And he wants to tell them, this is how we ought to live. Because what God is blessing these children to do is not to be a nation that has power over people, but a nation that's going to reconcile all people. A nation that's going to represent God, that's going to show what God's justice looks like, what God's righteousness looks like. And we're going to see throughout all of it is that even though they fell short, God's grace kept them. It's the grace of God that keeps the blessing in the bloodline. (laughs) It's the grace of God that kept the calling in the bloodline. It's the grace of God. As much as we make mistakes, God's promise never returns to him void. Never returns to him void. Today, be encouraged. Be encouraged today, family. Know that nothing cancels God's promises. But be encouraged today that God will forgive you of all your sins. Be encouraged today that God's grace is sufficient, that it will keep you. Be encouraged, family. Be encouraged. But also be encouraged that you need not, if it is by the grace of God that you're here, you need not hide your story. Your children need to hear your story. The real Your children need to hear the real. Your children need to know how you got here. Your children need to know your mistakes, all your errors, because you're not performing for your children. You see, when when Christ is the paradigm of your life and when Christ is the paradigm for your children, you learn that you are not gods for your children, but rather you are mediators pointing and passing on the real image that they ought to follow is Jesus. I've told myself, because I got a story and I eventually I'm, I'm going to tell my sons everything that I did. All of my story, everything. But I'm already alluding them to this truth. I told Ellison, who's my oldest, I said, one day One day we're going to, right now, my, my task is to raise you up. But at one point, you're going to become a man. And when you become a man, we're going to be like brothers. And it's funny how things will turn because one day I may have to depend on you. But in the meantime, my job is not to raise you up to follow me. My job is to raise you up and to hand you off to Christ. I want you to represent Christ. (laughs) Don't follow Isaac. Isaac made a lot of mistakes. I'm going to show you how I got to where I got to. I know God's got another story, but I'm not going to hide. Because they need to know my story. Your children need to know your story. You need to know your parents' story. If you find yourself repeating the sins of your, fa- your family's past, if you're starting to see habits and patterns, if you start seeing patterns in your, if you start seeing like generational cycles and, and generational patterns, it's due to the lack of information. That's right, Beach Dreamer. (laughs) Exactly right, Beach Dreamer. It's a decision. It's a decision. And that's what what he means by that in that text, Beach Dreamer, is the same thing that we see here in this reference. His promise doesn't return void, but his promise was delayed to the point where they, the generation before, didn't get to enjoy the promise. They didn't give the bread to the eater and seed to the sower. They did not initiate and enact the law of God. Family, I love you all. 
And I pray that this will be a conviction for you all. Family history. Catch it. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would be with us today, Lord, even on this Memorial Day, Lord, as we're so fitting, Lord, that we would call this Memorial Day, that we would read this reading on Memorial Day. How fitting is that? <laughs> even as I pray, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm thrown right now, God, because on a day that we should be remembering Lord, those who have given their lives for their country, Lord, you're telling us also to remember our past. Ah, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for giving us a reason to remember. Lord, teach us to remember. <laughs> teach us, Lord, to seek after our, our history, to learn not to repeat, but to, Lord, be your righteousness on earth, Lord, through the righteousness that you've given us that would represent you in all things, Lord God, that we would embody you in all things. And I ask, Lord, that you would convict us, Lord, to share our stories. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>